This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play. 13 seconds left. Coleman looking to grab it. Dano trying to center it. Knocking it away. Yanni Gord. He clears it. He clears it. I don't think this is going to be an icing. No. Three seconds left. Petrio final shot. The Lightning have done it. They have done it. They have gone back to back for the second year in a row. They have won the Stanley Cup. It's a beautiful way to get into our last show of the offseason until training camp. Can you believe it, folks? It feels like we have been just going nonstop really Mm -hmm. for the last two years. And it kind of concludes today. Now, we are taping this show. Just want to let everybody know that there are some other commitments we have. And if stuff breaks late, we'll figure out how to deal with that from a uh, an on-air perspective. But this is taped as we sit here right now. And uh, let me bring in my good friend, Dave Mishkin, back from a, a big birthday bash. Yeah, right? I had a whirlwind 36 hours. It was more like 38 hours because you knew the flight back to Tampa was getting delayed, which it was. Yes. That's inevitable. But was I was it, glad. I was glad to be able to to get up there. And thanks glad? for, thanks for doing the heavy lifting well, it's all right. on Friday. Yeah. Listen, well, yeah, some... Nick Alberga. Did I see that? Nick Alberga came on, and you know, okay. Nick, I confess to... I didn't hear Nick Alberga, but well, I can't blame you. He'll he'll be offended. <laughs> I won't. That's okay. Um, I had other stuff going on, and yeah. then I got I got to say, Greg and Steve, because I was back over the weekend, but I was not involved in the draft coverage that you guys you guys put together. You did a terrific job. After well, a really long point. day on Saturday with the interviews that you got and then the questions that you asked, Greg, if, if people have not heard that draft show, and I know Steve is going to continue to re-air it, definitely tune in because you are going to get so much information that I don't know that it's available anywhere else. I mean, Al Murray did, and, and Julian did too, kind of like the Zoom press conference. Yeah. But I, I thought that you were able to to ask some targeted questions and get some really interesting comments. Well, I appreciate that. They from were both of them. As you know, those guys are very good. The players, you know, when you're dealing with kids, you just want to make them relaxed and yeah. let their personalities come out. And I thought the guys that we had on were great. The scouts, you know, Dave, how many times they get a chance to get on the air? I know. You know, and I thought they were really good. So Steve did a great job getting those guys. Uh, Brian Breesman was really good. Uh, giving us access to them and of course the players and coaches and scouts were fantastic so i actually think you know steve and i were talking about this that might be the way to do the draft coverage down the road i just found like it was we taped in 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 out out got all these players and we had all this access right after the draft instead of doing like a a long marathon well it sounds like the league could take notes from how (laughs) efficient you were maybe (laughs) that was brutal it it was not a quick process now the first round on the friday night is usually more lengthy because there's a lot of pomp and circumstances there should be look this is a big deal for a lot of these teams and and these players getting picked in the first round and that's why they allocate one night for the first round but usually rounds two through seven in years past were lickety split like you were following along online it's almost like you were fresh and and you know two three picks would be added yeah and that simply wasn't the case this year. Generally, rounds two through seven take about the same amount of time as round one in, in, when it's a live draft because we've broadcast them for years now on Power Play. And the yeah. last two years, it's taken seven to eight hours for the second day. 
I saw I saw a mention online, guys, that so you know the general manager's award is the Jim Gregory Award. Jim Gregory, a longtime executive and and was part of the league and he passed away a couple of years ago. And I guess Jim Gregory was kind of the timekeeper, if you will, for lack of a better term, in in this day two, rounds two through seven, and he he kept the teams honest like their feet was held to the fire were held to the fire on on how quickly they needed to make their picks now I don't know if it was only Jim Gregory but I I do I do definitely acknowledge that it has taken much much longer in the last couple of years than it used to yeah and you know how do you how do you keep people's interest especially when you're dealing with kids you really never heard of it's a little bit different with the NFL when you have the college game to look at and you know I, I think at least Leading up to the draft, there was a lot of things to talk about in terms of some trades. There was a couple of big ones that did happen. I think that can help with the coverage. Unfortunately, I think for the NHL, and Elliot Freeman talked about this, Dave, on his 31 Thoughts podcast that I happened to listen to on Sunday. There was a lot of – there was a a dark cloud over the draft at the end of round one when it came to Montreal's selection of the first round pick they took and what Chicago did and how they went about picking their pick. Now, I confess, I did not see Chicago and, and how they went about their situation. I guess they had eight females that happened to help make the selection, and it, it didn't look good. As, as Elliot said, it was kind of cringeworthy. I didn't Mont- see that report. I knew yeah. about the Montreal pick. I the Montreal pick Chicago. had everybody talking just because yeah. the, the kid that was drafted said, don't draft me, I have some growing up to do. Of course, there were some issues with he and another female. Um when he was younger and you know we just we live in that environment where um, a guy like that is is going to be under a lot of scrutiny and it didn't look great I guess their general manager took some questions about why they selected this player when he didn't want anybody to select him and there was like this 25 second I may be exaggerating but not really of silence before he answered the question you could tell there was a lot of uneasiness so I, I think it's hard to get the NHL draft and make it interesting. I thought they had some opportunities to do it. I don't know if you can do it with a uh, a Zoom call, an over Zoom, though. I think it makes it really tough. But we'll Yeah, see. maybe that's part of it because they have done a virtual draft the last couple of years. Yeah. And maybe that has something to do with it. It but could be. Anyway, once the draft was over, you crammed a lot of really great information in terms of the the answers that you got to the questions that you asked from from the movers and shakers. Well, let's get into let's get into organization. What what stood out for you? Because Al, Al was great in terms of the, the yeah. picks, and I think that is something we can get into. Although, as we always say, you really don't know much about these players for another couple of years, and uh, you know the big defenseman they took in the third round, I think, is very intriguing. At 6'5", right-handed shot defenseman. They took three defensemen in this draft. I think Al's philosophy is take the best player. and Yeah, he's very consistent about and, that. And that's fine. And they you, just, I think you asked him that question, and what he said was, look, if we tried to draft by position, we might get a player yeah. who's not very good at the position. I mean, basically, that's what he said. And he said, you know, if we have a surplus of players at a particular position, but they're all really good players, then we can – rely on Julian Breezebois or their scouting, pro scouting staff to then trade one of those players. 
Yeah. And and target somebody at a position that does fill a need. That's kind of the way they go, which is why they say we're just going to take the best player available on our list. Well, you asked uh, on the Al Murray side, and and we had him on, what was it, Thursday? Yeah. And he repeated some of the things that he said to us in advance of the draft when you talked to him on Saturday. But one thing he said that was interesting was they still had players on their list when the draft was over mm-hmm. to the extent that they invited three of them to the prospect camp. And they got into the Andre Pilat story, which was pretty He got into the Andre yeah, Pilat story. And they added a seventh round pick to take Pilat, and boy, what a what a move that was. Yeah. But again, it's interesting. You might think that boy, the Lightning don't have a lot of picks, and they're at the end of the draft. And the way the Lightning have viewed this, I mean, look, would they rather have the number seven pick overall? <laughs> yeah, they'd probably like to have that pick too, even if it's more of a no brainer pick. You know that the seventh overall pick is going to be farther along than a guy taken in the seventh round, and Al acknowledged that. What he said is, we feel that that there are players out there that that can turn into potentially really good NHL players, mm-hmm. and and we feel that you know more picks are always better, even if they're late picks. They're. What was interesting, and we don't have to spend too much time on it, what's really interesting was their last pick of the draft, the Finnish kid. Yeah. Finnish Pat Maroon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he, they, and Al had said he has one of the best shots in this in this draft, and he just needs to work on his skating. And I'm thinking, is skate? because I, 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 this is the one question I wanted to ask him. Yeah. Is skating now one of those things where you feel like you can overcome if, if a well, guy has issues? Well, if you recall, there? Greg, we had Al on last year. Yes. And I think it was after the draft. I can't remember when we had him on, but we had him on during the 2020 offseason. And he was very candid when he spoke to us last year, saying that he is kind of he has kind of changed his philosophy on that. In in part because of the work that Barb Underhill has done with yeah. so many of the prospects that he said he used to believe that skating was kind of a black mark against a player if the skating was not up to standard. But now he has come to believe with with hard evidence <laughs> backing that up. Braden Point certainly is a is a prime example of that from a guy who was a good skater but became a phenomenal skater. Well but that skating is something that can be taught and improved just like you know, a player can get stronger, for example, or a player can can learn how to play defense. I mean, yeah. there are certain things that you can teach a player. What he said is it's much harder to teach competitiveness and hockey IQ, and that's why they play such a premium on those qualities because a player in, in, in the, the Lightning's mind either has those qualities or doesn't, whereas the I, other stuff – yeah. Like learning technique on on how to skate or just, you know, getting into a program that allows a player to get stronger. The Lightning have full confidence that, that their development people can help a player along and give the player all the resources. But the player needs to want to get better, no which bad. goes to kind of that drive that they look for. I, I should have asked Al, with that line of thinking, would you have taken Braden Point in the first round? If you felt at that point, you know, the skating 
can be quote-unquote fixed or improved, by all accounts, Point had everything else. It was the skating that was what allowed him to drop. And I I would have been curious to ask him that, but we... uh, we had other things we needed to get to. I think we we're replaying t- the interview coming up here during this hour <laughs> anyway. So I shouldn't I shouldn't get into all of the the takeaways I had. Let the fans listen and and, and get their own takeaways from well, it. What is it? Let's get into um because the Julian the Julian interview or do you want yeah, to get let's into get into Julian let's get into Julian because we have some some questions too. This yeah. is our last show. We want people to to weigh in at Bolts Radio if uh, any last minute questions that uh, they have on their mind that they want us to answer. I, I thought Julian was was very good from the standpoint. I tried to get him to humanize the Yanni Gord situation. Yeah, a bit more I thought too. that was great because I learned like, some stuff that I didn't know. Yeah, and I, I wanted to get into a little bit more of the the thought process of the the protection list. Right. You know, did did he waver? And he all? had that great example from Game Two of the Stanley Cup Final when McDonough he and did. Chernak were both in the box I remember that sequence and I wasn't even thinking goodness the lightning are in deep trouble here I mean they were in deep trouble because it was a long penalty kill that was like a four on three for almost two minutes but McDonough and Chernak were in the box their top two penalty killing defensemen and they were still able to send out Hedman and Ruda and Savard and Sergachev that was a great story that he told about the depth the lightning had on D what a a luxury that is and I, I it sounded like when they were going through that process Dave they knew they were going to keep four defensemen but like any good general manager or leader I think he wanted to take some input from everybody else in the organization what did they think kind of flush all the ideas out and I think once that happened they stayed strong to their conviction and said look Ryan McDonough is worth keeping and I think they realized yeah. that they were going to end up losing a really good player he had that conversation with Yanni Gord. I'm sure it was somewhat emotional for both of those guys. But it sounds like Vincelin is going to have to make another move. But it also sounds like, Dave, if, if you're reading the tea leaves, the guy he – the guy, let's put it this way. The guys he elects to keep, those are the ones that he wanted to keep really, really bad. I don't, I don't know if he's going to settle and say, look, if I can't trade this player, then I'm going to trade this player because we have to be cap compliant. It sounds like he's going to do everything he can to keep the guys he wants to keep. Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to mess up the the quote. So this is not a direct quote and and I don't remember exactly how he put it, but essentially what he said was the players that we have have targeted on our team as he didn't use the word invaluable. Yeah. But guys that we feel are really going to help us in our quest to three-peat. And I think Ryan McDonough is one of those guys, which is why they protected him. But of the potential guys who might be traded, if the Lightning feel that those players are are going to be really important to them three-peating, they are not trading them. That was kind of what I got from, from his answer. And he put it much more eloquently than I just did. But that was interesting. It was also interesting on the Yanni Gord front that he didn't know until Wednesday who was getting picked. It was interesting that Ron Francis told him, well, if you go four and four, I'm taking one of these players, meeting right. one of the forwards. That was that was rather forthcoming from Ron Francis. Yeah, right, I was man. surprised that Ron yeah. Francis told Julian that. Yeah. But therefore, 
Julian probably knew, okay, well, these forwards, unless he's lying to me, right, these forwards are not going to get picked. It's probably from this pool of, dare I say, you know, Palat, Kalorn, Gord, Johnson, you want to throw him in there. Maybe Colton was in there too, but, I mean, it sounded like Ron Francis basically said, yeah, we're picking one of these guys, and, and it's going to be one of these select players. We're just not sure which one yet. Yeah, that was interesting. And, you know, around that. Uh, on draft day, both days, I kept seeing Tyler Johnson's name pop up on Twitter uh, and from some hockey scribes that were saying that that is a name that is being thrown out there, and they wouldn't have been surprised if a deal wasn't made because of uh, maybe some progress that had been made over the last couple of days. So if you're look, at least for me, if I'm looking You're talking at about this, a deal with Seattle or a deal with another team? Another team. Another oh, okay. team. And if if that ends up happening, don't be surprised. It sounds like Tyler Johnson, look, we've talked about this for the last year and a half. I mean, it's no secret that they were looking to move his contract, even with what he did in the playoffs. I think, at least the way I look at it, that that is who um, Julian is going to look maybe to move first, and we'll see how that plays out. It always doesn't play out that way. And right. uh, Elliot Freeman today in uh, a column he had on Sportsnet he had uh, Blake Coleman, didn't have a team, but he thinks it's going to be six years at five mil per year is what the contract he's going to get. He also thinks uh, David Savard is going to land in Montreal. These were some of the predictions, Dave, he gave. Yeah. And I think Elliot's pretty good when it comes to having a feel for where these guys are going to go. But I did see, and this is interesting, that and it, it, I can't remember if I heard it or I read it. Yeah but that a lot of the free agents are hesitant to go to Canadian teams based on the strict protocols mm -hmm. that Canada has had. And it maybe wasn't just that. Taxes might have been part of it too, but that's always been the case. I mean, what's changed yeah. in the last year and a half, you know, the, the pandemic and, and the protocols that Canada has in place. But it was mentioned as that is not a concern for Savard. <laughs> Right. Who who was not opposed to to going to Canada? That to seems like a, a probably agent. yeah. That sounds like a pretty decent fit. It sounds like Montreal wants to make a couple of big splashes. We'll see how that all plays out. Uh, well, and if they don't have Shea Weber, yeah. I mean, not that David Savard is Shea Weber. I mean, they're they're different, but he is a righty D. Yeah, that would Phil fit in their top four. He said Philip Deneau is. Um, Maybe Los Angeles is looking to, to take another centerman. We don't watch Los Angeles or, or the Kings a, a ton, but apparently they're stockpiling centers, and Deneau was a little bit of a surprise uh, from that standpoint. Uh, Ryan Suter, he thinks, goes to Dallas. Uh, he thinks Florida locks up Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhart, and Carter Verhage. Of course, we know what Buffalo's trying to do, Dave. They're, they're getting rid of a lot of good players, and we've talked about them you know, drafting pretty well, but not being able to develop them and putting those guys all together. But, you know, Eichel somebody that it still looks like he's going to be dealt. And uh, he's got New Jersey as a team that maybe wants to make a splash at some point. Dougie Hamilton was somebody that uh, came to mind. I was curious to get your thoughts because what had happened, uh, we talked so much about it during the playoffs, I was a little surprised. Nadelkovic going to Detroit and Carolina choosing to uh, move on from him, but it sounds like they want to make a bigger splash at the goaltender position. Yeah, I mean, people are saying Iserman did his Jedi mind trick on, <laughs> on Carolina. Right. We'll see. 
I mean, we'll see if Nedeljkovic, I, I saw comparisons with Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop had had more experience at the NHL level when the Lightning yeah. acquired him than Nedeljkovic. And Bishop, I think Ottawa would have liked to have kept Bishop. It wasn't that they didn't like Bishop. They just had too many goalies. Carolina, it's a different situation. So there must have been more going on there, whether it was a money thing, although it doesn't sound like he got a lot more necessarily from Detroit than he did from Carolina. Maybe he got an assurance that he's going to be the guy in Detroit, and and maybe he felt he, he still didn't have that assurance yeah. from the Hurricanes, but it's unclear if Morozik is going to be back. So I don't really know what to make of Carolina. It sounds like they are just open for business as far as bringing in a goaltender. Well, they need a goaltender. I don't think they, they need a goaltender, right? Yeah. But but uh, yeah, I mean, are they are they going to make a splash? I mean, I don't even know who are the UFA premier goalies that are available. Are they going to try and make a trade to get a goalie? Yeah. I don't I don't know the answer to that. But I think our our friend Eric Erlinson had in there that both. Nedeljkovic was irked about getting pulled after game two in the Lightning series and maybe was resistant to signing with Carolina. And maybe Carolina wasn't thrilled with Nedeljkovic with his playoff performance. And they're like, he isn't he isn't the answer for us. Yeah. Although we were in agreement that other than the Barkley Goodrow goal, which was a terrible goal and, right. and a huge goal to have go in in that series because it helped the Lightning win game one and, and got them off to a good start. But other than that, Nedeljkovic played pretty well in that series. So who knows? Who knows what, what went into the decision for both the player and the team, but but they have moved on. Pittsburgh apparently the Hurricanes is, have moved on. They need a goaltender. They're looking at Mrazek. Uh, I've heard, you know, Antti Ranta is somebody that, that could be coveted in a big way. Uh, that might be somebody that a lot of teams look at. Uh, Devin Dubnik also. Who knows yeah. if, if he's a guy that uh, a lot of people want to take a flyer on. The Flyers but were very the active. Thing, here's the thing, Greg. Carolina yeah. is close. Yeah. I mean, they lost in the second round, but they lost to the Lightning. And I think if I were to say to you, had the Lightning lost to Florida or had the Lightning beaten Florida and lost to Carolina, mm-hmm. it, it, would you agree that either Florida or Carolina could have won the Stanley Cup? I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Carolina is close. So now is the time. Like, And maybe you feel that Devin Dubnik or who are the other guys you mentioned, Ranta? Yeah. I mean, maybe you feel that they are the, the answer to help you get over the hump or to be the right guy to slot in on your team that is a Stanley Cup contender now, today. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of teams that were very active. Philadelphia, Buffalo. Philadelphia was very active. Philadelphia is going to look like a very different team. They are. Next year. I, I feel like Ristolainen and Ryan Ellis, those are flyer players. I, yeah. I do. I feel like there's an edginess to their game. I think that they're going to fit in pretty well. You know, Cam Atkinson, that was a little surprising. And Voracek, who goes back to Columbus. I know they wanted to get rid of Voracek. I didn't realize Atkinson right. was going to be the guy. And what's going Dave, this goes back to the question you and I have had, whether it's fair or unfair. What is going on in Columbus? I mean, they are ripping the Band-Aid off, and they are they are getting rid of guys. But again, They got a lot back. for Seth Jones, as you would expect. But Seth, I mean, like, 
at some point, do you have to keep some guys? Well, like look, Seth, Seth Jones. Jones made it clear that I, know I think Columbus why. did well with the Seth Jones trade because, we'll first out. of all, you have a guy who's saying, I don't want to. I don't You're want right. to be here after next year, so the You're clock right. is ticking. And second of all, he said, basically, I want to go to Chicago. That's exactly so right. That's exactly right. They got Boquist, who's a, look, he's not Seth Jones, but he's he's a young, offensive-minded, right-handed defenseman. They got, how many first-round picks did they get for Jones? Like They did fairly well, I think, all things considered, given the corner they were put in. But like, if you're with this if particular you're, player, if you're Zach Orensky, why do you want to stay there? Well, that's a good point. You know, because I mean, everybody. I mean, look at the Dave. Look at the team they had. I think he's still restricted, isn't he? Is. he? Well, he's got he's got five million left coming up, uh, one more year, and then he's a restricted free agent in twenty two twenty three. But I mean, so like he's a restricted that restricted free agent. He has limited options. He does, but I mean, like that's unless a team. somebody offer sheets him. That's a team two years ago, as we know, pulled off an upset. Now, a lot of those guys left, as you have pointed out, because they wanted to leave. Yeah. But they've also had some guys. That, I mean, Torts is gone. Yeah. Their head coach. I mean, it's, Well, like, I know Brad Larson. He was a yeah. player in Hershey when I was there. Smart guy. He's been, he's been an apprent- apprentice, basically. He's been an assistant yeah. coach for a number of years. He was an assistant under Todd Richards yeah. in Columbus when, when Richie was still the head coach. Right. And so, look, I think it's his first crack as being a head coach, but I think he, he knows the game really well and maybe a fresh voice, pseudo fresh voice, because they've heard his voice, but now a different different head coach voice is is just what Columbus needed. And, and like you said, well, look at all these players that are gone now, and you're right, but you have to – if you feel like you need to kind of build from the ground up, this is how you do yeah, it. Yeah, no, you're right? right. And and maybe they have some guys in their minor league system that they feel are ready to perhaps to come up and and help them in this regard. Yeah. We're gonna get to we're gonna get to Al Murray coming up next. Before we do that, Dave, we want to say again congratulations to the Lightning organization. They announced earlier today that their community hero program is continuing for another five years. That's great. That's a big big deal. Uh, Jeff Finnick. Going to be speaking here shortly. If he already hasn't, um, the uh, pledge commits an additional $10 million over the course of the next five years, adding to the program's already storied legacy, Dave, of providing a $50,000 donation to charity selected by a local honor rate every regular season and playoff game at Amelie Arena. That is awesome. And I think that's just one of the reasons why this organization is the best in the NHL. All right. Al Murray's up next. I uh, did that interview after the draft concluded on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday. Yeah, was it Saturday? Yeah. It may have felt like oh, Monday man. morning after the second round ended. And then we come back. We'll take some questions and we'll wrap things up, give you some closing thoughts, maybe how the, uh, the offseason is going to play out. We'll do that when we return on Lightning Power Play. Lightning fans, the Bolts are back-to-back champs. Score your official 2021 Stanley Cup champions gear by visiting one of our Tampa Bay sports locations at Amelie Arena, International Plaza, or online at tampabaysports.com. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. So glad you are with us here on a Monday. Greg Linnelli along with Dave Michigan. Get your questions in. This is our last show till training camp, so we want to make sure we uh, can get those uh, questions on the air and answered for you. If not, we can always do it on Twitter 
as well. You know much, uh, how much I love Twitter and uh, doing all that fun stuff. At Bolts Radio, at Greg Lanelli, at Dave Michigan. But joining us right now, we're going to replay the interview that I did with Al Murray. He is director of amateur scouting, assistant GM for the Tampa Bay Lightning, does a fantastic job getting the players that Julian needs and eventually develops to uh, become a Stanley Cup contender. We did this after the draft concluded on Saturday. Here it is on Lightning Power Play. Certainly you and your team have uh, put together a tremendous prospect pool for this Lightning organization. Seven picks in this year's draft. Busy second day, obviously. Uh, every scout, I'm sure, feels pretty good about the picks they've had, but give us a little bit of an overview. You feel pretty confident in the guys you picked today? We do, actually. Uh, when you're picking late, uh, as we were, so you have to wait, uh, you're a little bit dependent on other people, but uh, we have... In each of the areas uh, before the draft, we outline sometimes it's two players, sometimes it's four or five players that we hope and think based on looking at other lists and uh, where we think guys should go and could go yeah. on where we want to take certain players. And uh, this year, it hit pretty good for us. We got uh, guys that we weren't shocked were there, but we thought we had a chance to get, and they're players that we have a lot of uh, uh, optimism that they'll turn into uh, solid NHL players. So they bring all the attributes that we want. Some of them need to improve their skating. Some of them need to get stronger. Some of them need to um, need to just mature as individuals. They're mostly yeah. young guys, but uh, they all work hard. They're all pretty smart, and uh, we, we like competitive people that are smart, and uh, these guys all fit those bills. Al, how do you weigh taking the best player available or you know maybe position of need? You took three defensemen, and we know in the Lightning organization you want to have as many D-men as possible coming up through the ranks. Do you weigh that, or is it, look, best player available, and if that's all centers, that's, that's what we take? Yeah, we talked about that uh, over the, a number of times over the years, and we take who we think is going to be the best NHL player. Um, if we start to go positional and you don't take who the best guy is and the guys don't turn out, then nobody wants them. But yeah. if we wind up with the uh, six best center icemen and we can't uh, you know, have spots for all those guys, there'll right. be a value to us where we can trade those for what we do lack. So I think over the years, uh, Steve and Julian have done a great job putting our team together uh, by – developing a pool of players and then using that pool of players to supplement the positions of weakness that we had and make the trades for the for what we needed and I think Julian did a great job over the last two years taking us to that final level that we needed to by being able to trade picks yeah. uh, prospects whatever it had to be to get those players and uh, and it's it's paid off for us it doesn't always work but uh, worked out well the last two years it's right? worked out pretty good the last two years so we'll stick with that formula until it falls apart absolutely well let's let's maybe take a look at some of the players that you got uh, in this draft let's start with uh, Roman Schmidt your first draft pick this year in the third round big kid big right-handed shot defenseman it, it feels like the right-handed shot defenseman is a lot like the lefty pitcher in baseball it's it, it seems more coveted I, I, do you get that sense I mean the organizations really want the right-handed shot defenseman or is that uh, overrated a bit I think it's I think you need them and I yeah. think they're tougher to find because most uh, guys or a lot of kids seem to shoot left a lot of the Europeans shoot left a lot of the Canadians shoot left seems like more Americans shoot right but yeah we think we've built up a decent pool of right shot defensemen uh, coming up and I <clears throat> I know people don't know these guys because they're still in college or junior but we have uh, Nick Perbix who's in college played uh, in the national championship last year with uh with his school and we thought he might come out this year but he wanted to go back and try to win a national championship so nick's yeah. about a six foot three 220 pound right shot d who moves the puck well 
We've got uh, Jack Thompson, who we drafted last year. Jack plays in Sudbury. Uh, he's gone to. The, he'll be at the Canadian World Junior Camp. We've got uh, uh, Eamon Powell, who's uh, six foot tall, 170 pound puck moving defenseman in college. He's at the U.S. World Junior Camp this uh, week. And uh, we've got uh, Crozier, who's at Providence and uh, was a little banged up last year, so missed some games. But we've got, uh, we're hopeful that he's going to be a real good prospect for us. And then we were able to add Roman Schmidt. So we've got five yeah. right shot D coming that we think are pretty good. We've got a decent group of right shot D on our NHL team right now with uh, uh, Ruda and uh, Chernak. And uh, Footer is taking steps all the time. Right. So uh, we're, we're hopeful that we've got some guys there. Got a couple other guys in the American League team. So it's pretty good. Uh, Roman comes in, and uh, Roman's one of those guys that we talk about. He's on the all-warm-up team because as soon as his team comes out for warm-up, here's a six-foot-five guy that wheels around the ice very easy, yeah. and people like, that's a guy who just catches your eye. He, right. he comes off the bus. You want him coming off the bus first <laughs> yeah. so that the other team takes notice like of that. him. I so like uh, Roman's, um, and I, and I, I want to caution everybody listening, I'm going to give you some comparables so you can have a picture in your mind. These guys aren't those guys yet, but this sure. is who they could be. So uh, Roman will remind people of Brandon Carlo at the same age. He's big, mobile, doesn't put up a lot of points, but makes good pass. Doesn't punish people shift after shift, but it's very tough to get by him because he's got good feet and he angles well and has good uh, gap control. And then Brandon Carlo took a little while and became a real good top four defenseman for the Boston Bruins. And uh, Roman was going to go to college, but changed his mind. He's going to go to Kitchener in the Ontario Hockey League. We've talked to the coach GM there. Uh, asked him last a couple weeks ago, actually, I was talking to him last time, and I said, uh, who does he remind you of? And he goes, you know, he kind of reminds me of Brandon Carlo. So uh, how about that? Everybody sees similar attributes, yeah. but he believes that there's more offense in Roman than maybe even Roman thinks there is. So in, in Kitchener, he's going to get a real good opportunity to get top four minutes for the next couple of years, play in power play situations, kill penalties, which is a natural thing for him to do, and get a real good chance to develop. And because he's in major junior, we'll get to bring him to our uh, prospects tournament. We'll get to have our skating and uh, strength people and skills yeah. people work with them all year long with th through the Kitchener organization. So when guys go major junior, it does give you more access to them than it does with the college players. So that's a good thing for us, we feel. Listening to you too, it, it sounded like, and we're going to talk to Roman later on in the program, keeping it simple I is what you want to say. I mean, for a guy at 6'5", keep it simple. Keep Nothing it simple, wrong with that, but, right? but be aggressive. Yeah. You know, like uh, Roman skating should allow him to really gap up tight on people. And because he's big as a house, when people, you know, the other team's coming out of their zone, they take a look up ice where they're going to move the puck. If Roman's on on his guy and up tight, he won't have a lot to do because they'll have to go down the other side of the ice because every uh -huh. time you throw the puck over there, it'll just be knocked off the guy's stick and come back the other way. So right. uh, anytime a guy comes down the wall, take him early in the zone. Don't let him get down the wall and get into the zone because you've got the speed and you've got the agility. Take him early, end the rush, move it back out of the zone, and you're not going to spend a lot of time in your own end. So... Keep it simple with the puck movements. Develop your skill level as much as you can. He has a decent level of hockey sense. And play within your limitations and uh, play to your strengths. And I think Roman is smart enough to know that. You certainly watch him play, and I think he does that very well. He complimented uh, probably the most uh, skilled player on the U.S. Uh, defense last year, Barons. They were a partnership uh, the number of games that I saw them. And Barons was a 5'10", 5'11", puck-moving D. 
and uh, Roman was the big safety net there, uh, hanging out and taking care of a lot of the defensive responsibilities, keeping guys away from the front of the net so the goalie could see the puck. So uh, really played, I thought, really well to what his strengths are. Yeah, nothing wrong with uh, that and the, and the comparisons to Carlo. You get a top four defenseman in the third round. That's Ideally, that's that's pretty good value, right? That's Hopefully. the hope. That is the hope, right. Let's go to your next pick. Uh, it was Dylan Duke, and he is going to Michigan. Now, you guys traded a draft pick for uh, next year yes. to get him this year. Yeah. So you obviously saw something where you said, look, was this a typical case of that's the player we want. Let's go get him if we can. We didn't have a fourth. We didn't think there was any way it was going to last till the fifth. Yeah. So we were able, Montreal had, a, I think it was Montreal we traded, it had was. a lot of uh, picks this year, and they wanted to spread them out a little bit so they didn't have so many in one year. So it was an easy flip for us when Dylan was still on the board to go take him. He is not Matthew Joseph, but... Think Matthew Joseph. Uh, gotcha. Hard-working guy that has good skill level, that can get to the front of the net and can work the corners and takes away time and space from opponents and loves to play in the, the traffic areas and a uh, bit of a pain to play against with real good hands around the net so he can finish plays and create offensive chances. So uh, plays with that energy that we like uh, our guys to have and uh, really competitive. And he played uh, for, what, the USA Hockey National Team? They were teammates. The program, Roman right? and him yeah. were teammates. What's making that program so appealing, the way they're they're bringing out guys? Well, it's a great program to develop players from all the way across the country. You know, yeah. they, the kids in Minnesota don't have to go to the program. The kids in New England don't have to go to the program. But it's a good opportunity for them to go to the program. Yeah. And when they do go there, um, they get the opportunity for two years to develop conditioning-wise that a lot of kids in junior may not have the same opportunities. Because when you're on a bus all the time and you're, you're going back and forth between games and practices and you just don't have the same kind of time as when you're with a team right. that has some games during the season, but they also gear up for major tournaments and major events. So they have a little more time to work out in the gym and, and uh, just be a, a more well-rounded athlete in addition to a, a hockey player. So it's a really good program for kids from around the States. I think when you look at it now every year, they're giving opportunities to those guys that are from uh, – Ohio and Virginia and yeah. New Jersey and not not the necessary hotbeds of Boston and Minnesota all the time, but they bring all, in theory, the best players together. Some kids go to major juniors, some still want to play in the USHL, but they've done a great job in bringing a majority of, of the age group, uh, the best players in that age group together and uh, been very successful winning championships and developing players. Al Murray joins us here on Lightning Power Play. Let's go to your fifth-round pick, Cam McDonald. Gritty player? Is that how you would describe somebody like high energy? I would. I would I'd describe Cam. Uh, he, If people want to think of a style, think of uh, Cedric Paquette, think of Barkley Goodrow. There you go. He's that, uh, as, as John Cooper says, that dependable Jeep. Gets his nose dirty, <laughs> mucks around, has some skill. Great quote. Finishes checks, yeah. goes to the front of the net, good defensively back in his own zone, can play center or wing, gives himself a um, number of opportunities to make your hockey team because he's got versatility. Uh, good strength already, needs to get stronger in his legs, needs to work on some skating technique, uh, needs to continue to develop all parts of his game, but yeah. we like the style and what he brings to a, a team. Nothing wrong being a third-line player, right? Look at the Lightning the last two years. And some of those guys, uh, you know, if they take another step, can get up with two more skilled players and be the corner guy and, right. and bang around. You know, um, Andre Palat is a high skill level, so yeah. uh, he's not that sort of guy, but Andre brings that to that line. He works the corners and brings a lot of compete net front and things to two really high skill guys. And maybe Cam's a 
third, fourth line guy, maybe Cam finds a niche with two more high skill guys. It just depends on how much you can develop your game, and we want all these guys to develop as much as they can. All right, I don't want to keep you too much longer, uh, Albert. Uh, you can talk to me all day. Uh, I know, I know. You you can do this all day long. Let's look at uh, Alex Gagne, defenseman. What did you like about him? Alex is a little bit of a late bloomer. He went through the draft last year undrafted, but uh, went back to the USHL this year and really impressed people to the point where uh, he's at the uh, USA World Junior Tryout this week. So oh, wow. uh, we've got a number of players there. Dylan Duke is there. Uh, Alex is there. We had uh, from last year's draft, uh, Declan McDonnell, our seventh round pick, who played a lot of games this year with uh, Syracuse, is at that program, and so is Eamon Powell. So we've got a number of guys there. And uh, he's a, a real good skating, good positional, puck-moving defensive D. He's got some skill. He plays uh, good positionally, good gaps, and takes away time and space. And uh, just a, a guy who continues to improve. And um, that's what you want. You want guys that keep getting better. You feel like defensemen, it, it takes, you say late bloomer, I mean, it, it could be anybody, but defensemen especially, does it take sometimes them a little longer to, to get going? I know that's sort of the uh, the general consensus, is it? Uh, until a defenseman's played a couple hundred NHL games and has, has really you know evolved that way. And I think even with our team, you see Chernak and Sergachev have been really good players for a couple of years now, but I think they've both taken major steps again yeah. this year after they get a, a couple of years under their belt and they, they just become that much more comfortable. I think they've taken huge steps again this year, and uh, and that's what we hope all the time is uh, with those D, if you're patient, you put them in the right situations right. for them to be successful. Don't rush them along. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to overcook the product a little bit down in the American League. They all think they're ready after a certain period of time. But then they get thrown in, and, and you know, Calfoot is going through that right now. Yeah. I think you'll see Calfoot come back next year and take another step in his game as well. So it just takes a little time. you got to be patient, but I think it does take D a little bit longer. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to, to watch guys like Edmund, McDonough, some of those, like even Aruta, who's, you know, yep. a veteran that you can watch and, and learn. Uh, all right, let's take a look at your the, the seventh-round picks. I know you were talking to the media before you came on with us. You, you wanted to get more picks. We right, did, actually. In the seventh round. Yeah, yeah, right. We, uh, we have uh, more players. We've invited three uh, additional players, and they've all accepted our invitations. Oh, nice. So we could have had six, seven, eight seventh-round <laughs> picks. And <laughs> we tell you know Julian all the time, can you get a seventh-round thrown Because you don't that care, trade? right? I mean, you know, you'll get them. As long as we can get good, you know, right. what we think are good prospects. At the end of every draft, we've had guys that we weren't able to draft. So... Uh, this year, there was uh, probably eight or ten guys that we didn't get a chance to draft. We were looking at the numbers that we needed for our uh, our prospects tournament. We needed a couple more D, and we could have used uh, a forward or two. So we went out and we made some phone calls, and uh, Stacy Roos, a good salesman, along with our uh, area scouts, and <laughs> we were able to get the three guys we were calling. They, uh, they've all agreed to come. So we've got uh, three more guys coming in uh, that aren't drafted by us. They'll come into our prospects tournament. And the nice thing now is if they come in, play well, we can sign them right away and uh, if and we don't have to uh, draft them. But generally that doesn't happen. Generally they come in, uh, you get a feel for them, they get a feel for the organization. But once they leave prospects camp and or main camp, if they happen to play well enough to get there, then they, they'll be back into junior hockey and they'll be back eligible for the draft next year. So um, there was a lot of... Uh, lot of opportunity for guys yeah. to come in and impress us and you never know somebody might get a contract you're always looking for talent right always I mean, that's, that's basically what happened with uh, uh andre palat years ago 
we were going to invite Andre. We were able to get an extra pick, so we drafted Andre, and then he, we didn't have to compete with five and six teams to invite him to a camp. Sure. So he came in, and we weren't sure if Andre was going to stay with us because we drafted him as a 19-year-old. So he could have gone back to junior as an yeah. overage. He could have gone to the East Coast League. We could have sent him to Syracuse. And he came into our uh, rookie tournament, uh, played through that, played through main camp. And the more he played, the more people said, no, he doesn't have to go back to junior. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's pretty good, right? Yeah, I don't think he's going to have to spend time in the East Coast League. Uh, <laughs> why don't we start him in Syracuse? And, and it uh, worked out well. And it worked out pretty good. Yeah. But he was he could have just as easily, if we hadn't been able to secure an extra seventh-round pick that year, he would have been a camp invite. And who knows if he'd have accepted us or Pittsburgh or any right. of the number of teams that were trying to get him to come to their camp. Now, you're doing a virtual camp, right? Is that what I, I heard There's you some guys kind say, of, right? Uh, some kind of a virtual development camp, and then we're bringing them in a couple of days early for our prospects tournament. Gotcha. So um, nice to be able to help them get a, fa a few faces that they can, you know, see and feel a little bit a part of the organization. But it's certainly not as good as if the draft was at a normal time. Sure. And you can bring them all to Tampa for a development camp and let them see the, the building and, and see the area. We don't send too many guys out of Tampa after a development camp that don't want to get back here as quick as they right. can. It's a pretty <laughs> nice place. I think we can't wait, all of us, to get back to normal with everything. And I'm sure, you know, with, with hockey and, and everything like that, you want to get that back uh, as soon as possible. All right, so is it uh, Daniil Polenikov? Or? We'll go with Polenikov. <laughs> what did you like about him, defenseman? Well, Daniil we watched for a number of years now. Daniil uh, came over as an 18-year-old. Uh, Russia, before the World Junior, Russia brings a team of players over in November, and they play exhibition games against an all-star team from the Western Hockey League, an all-star team from the OHL League, and an all-star team from the uh, Quebec Major Junior League. They play two games against each of those, and Hockey Canada uses those games to evaluate players to bring to their World Junior camp, and Russia uses these games to evaluate a group of players that they want to bring to their World Junior camp. And Daniil has impressed us since then, and we've continued to follow him, and he's like, a, you know, we talk about defensemen maturing a little more. Uh, well, he took a big step this year. Yeah. So he's an older player. He's uh, He's got a little more time left on his contract in Russia. We're in no hurry. If we'd have taken a college player at that point, he's going to go away for two or three years. If Daniil's another uh, couple of years before he comes to the American Hockey League, it's no different than taking a college player, in our opinion. And uh, he's got uh, good skating, good puck moving, uh, when his points increased this year, he played in the KHL, which is outside of uh, the National Hockey League. The top teams in the KHL are on par basically with the American Hockey League teams. And uh, that's a real good development league for an older player like this, not necessarily for an 18 or 17-year-old. But uh, Daniil's taken a big step and uh, we'll continue to monitor him. And he can't come over for any of our stuff in the summertime because the Russian teams will be starting up. But uh, right. so hopefully sooner than later, uh, he knows that were interested, he was pretty excited to get the call. He thought he was too old. Like, he'd been through really? this a few times, and he's he knew he was still eligible to be drafted, but he's thinking, oh, nobody's going to draft me. So uh, I guess I'll just uh, keep plugging away here and hopefully catch somebody's eye when I'm 23, 24. But uh, we, were, uh, we were on him, and he was very happy to be uh, selected. So when a, when a player thinks maybe I'm not going to get drafted, what, what do you think? He was thinking why he wouldn't get drafted. Is there something in his game that you really, that's a big flaw that we need to, to get corrected or is it just not enough people saw the kid play or that's what he probably thinks you know yeah. I'm, I'm playing in the russian khl teams are looking but i'm an older guy out of sight out of mind i'm not going to the world junior i'm not going to the u18 so yeah. i don't have the profile of some of these other guys but i can make a nice living in russia and i'm treated well here and russia's home so it's a good yeah, league and everything right. but they all want if they're if they get the opportunity they want to come they to the come. national hockey see if they can play
They want to see if they it. can play. The good Russian players, and uh, he's a good Russian player, want to ch- challenge themselves in yeah. the National Hockey League. Uh, Robert Flinton, he's a uh, a wing. What did you like about him? Robert's big body, good skater, uh, good skills, high school player in the eastern uh, part of the United States, going to go to UNH. And uh, similar to uh, Nick Capone, who we drafted last year, yeah. who went away to college, we expect that it's going to take Robert, uh, you know, a little time in school, but there's no hurry. And uh, he's got the attributes we want. He competes, he works, he's got some skill. He's big, he skates well. So we'll see how that all comes together and uh, just watch him go through his college years and uh, we'll try to help him with our development people at development camps over the next few summers and see what we have. And then your last pick, Nico Hootsinen. Yep. Uh, Finnish, Pat Maroon. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> which Again. I think a lot of people are listening. And they're like, all right, so what, is, what does that mean? What the Finnish Pat Maroon means is <laughs> he's a big body with very good hands, with high compete, yeah. who will be aggressive with other teams' players, and his skating is good but needs to improve. So he knows all that stuff, and he's an interesting guy because he would, uh, with the U18 team for Finland this year, Oftentimes he was on the third or fourth line and his minutes were third or fourth line minutes. Yeah. But then when the game was on the line and his team was down by a goal at the end of the game, he was out for the last two minutes net front and he was playing. And he was making life miserable for the goalie and he was retrieving pucks from the corner and he was banging bodies and he had real good hands around the net. And he's one of the better shooters in this draft. And he needs to improve a few things like a lot of them do. And we're going to try to help him do that. He's going He's going to uh, Everett in the Western Hockey League. He was drafted in the European draft oh, wow. that the, the uh, Canadian Hockey League teams do. So he's going to play in Everett. Uh, Stacy Roos' son, uh, Austin, plays in Everett. And uh, so uh, Stacy uh, will get a lot of chance to see Nico. We'll get a chance to work with him because he'll be able to come and work with our strength and conditioning people and skating people. He'll be here for a Prospects Tournament in the fall. And we'll get a real good chance to uh, hang out with Nico a little bit. All right, Al Murray joining us there on Saturday, recapping everything. And, you know, David, one last thing on the draft, and and who knows how these players will develop, but you do give, I think, Al Murray and his staff the benefit of the doubt when they get guys in the third round, in the seventh round, maybe as an undrafted free agent, that they know what they're doing. And, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if there were a couple of NHL players. This Roman Schmidt, you know, they were making the comparison to Carlo. Yeah, out of Boston, guys, a four. That's a, that's a top four defenseman. You get that as a third round pick if that ends up being the projection. That's some really good value. But you give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to find a couple of NHLers in this draft, most likely. Well, and again, you brought up, I think it was to Julian, right? That you said some teams can draft well and maybe don't develop, and and some teams <laughs> develop well and and are a little less adapted at drafting these these high quality players the lightning have done both they've they've really developed a system where they do both they draft the players that are hungry to learn and hungry to get better as well as being talented and then their system of developing these players has churned out guys that repeatedly people are like where did he come from how'd they find him yeah what was Al's quote? It takes a lot of work to become an overnight success. Yeah, it's a great. I love their lines, you know. Yeah, I didn't get it right, I don't think. But no, but, but the point is well. that, you know, these players may be overnight successes when they, they burst upon the scene at the NHL level, but the work that they've put in to reach that point has been extensive. 
and didn't happen overnight. We are taping this show, so we want to just, again, let you know that in case there is breaking news that comes uh, while this show is being aired. And if it does, we'll find a way to uh, give you a little bit more analysis. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things that you know, we talk about the offseason, what it's going to look like for the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, a position that hasn't been talked a lot about. Al has brought this up a number of times. He says, looking over the goaltender options, Chris Gibson might be the best and cheapest option in the UFA market. That might be the case. I know the backup goaltender position, Dave, might not be as relevant to many people, but the Lightning will need it, assuming they don't bring yeah. Curtis McElhinney back. I don't know if they're going to go the Gibson route, but it is something to keep an eye on, I think. Well, look, the Lightning are going to have to spend some money. I think you had mentioned last week, Greg, when Yanni Gord was claimed that technically they're under the cap, but they're under the cap only because they haven't, filled all of the spots they need to fill and they have the three RFAs to resign, correct? Yeah. And one of those Ross Colton has arbitration rights and they do need to address the backup goalie position whether it's Curtis McElhinney or somebody else. So they are going to have to move out more salary and, and Julian acknowledged that in the interview you did with him. But I will say this as as we speak today near the end of July with free agency pending and some news is probably going to be happening here in the next couple of weeks. I am confident the Lightning are going to find a way to shed the salary. And from what I learned in hearing your interview with Julian and, and other commentary, I, I don't really believe the Lightning are going to be adding substantial dollars with new players that they are signing through free agency. So in other words, it sounds like the Lightning are going to free up the money they need with additional deals, or maybe it's one deal. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. And they are going to at least begin this next season asking the players they have already within the organization to step up and do more. Yep. That is what I think today. I am willing to be proven wrong, though. I mean, we'll see. And and maybe there will be a surprise move, which you you were asking some of our guests last week. You know, is there something here we're missing? Maybe there is, but it certainly sounds like that's the that's the likely route at this point. Now, which player or players are going to be moved out? I have no idea because we so, don't know what the trade market looks like. It, it doesn't. But you know what? For the hell of it, Dave, it's our show. It's our last show till trading camp. I'll give some predictions here because the predictions have been been fun to to go back and, and look at. Uh, I agree with with uh, Elliot Friedman. I, I don't think David Savard will be back. Um, I think Blake Colbert is gone. I think your third line is gone. I think that is, is going to be pretty apparent. I, I don't know if they can afford Blake Coleman at his term and what his asking price would be. And congrats to Blake Coleman if he does end up getting yeah. something like that. He deserves it. That's what you want as a free agent. Um, I think Tyler Johnson is the guy they look to deal. However, I don't know if that's going to be a quote-unquote hockey deal. I think you're going to have to maybe eat a little bit of that cap if he's the guy that's gone. I don't know what you're going to necessarily get back outside of maybe having a little more flexibility with the salary cap. But I think that's what's going to end up happening. Uh, they may make a, a couple of 
smaller moves in free agency to add a little more depth. Don't forget, Dave, they signed Jamel Smith to a couple of years. Yes. And we talked about him. It was funny we talked about I think about we both him. like that signing. We do. The question you have, how comfortable do they feel with multiple players who have relative limited NHL experience playing on the third and fourth lines? Is it going to be, you know, a Bari Boulay, a Radish, a Kachuk, a Smith, and a Mitchell Stevens? Are, are we going to see all of those guys make the team? Probably not. Could you see an instance where three of them make the team? Yeah, maybe. I, I think some of that just depends on how and well. And whether they make the team, Greg, or now we're talking about the start of the year, all of them may play at some point. Remember, Correct. Russ Colton did not start last season You're right. on the NHL roster. You are right. So I think I think that is going to be the interesting situation with some of the younger players because Al Murray said, talked about it. You want to have a revolving door of that next wave of prospects who are ready to play. And he mentioned Colton and Joseph, but he also mentioned Barry Boulay, Radish, Kachuk, and uh, some of these other guys, Foot, that are knocking on the door uh, playing. So we'll see how that plays out. Michael says, what's going on, fellas, with the moves made and unfortunately losing Yanni? What other moves need to be made to be cap compliant and have the ability to sign rookies if need be at this time? Well, Michael, we just talked about it. I, I think they have to move out one more forward. That would be my guess. Um, and I think personally, I think that forward is Tyler Johnson, but if they don't have somebody for Tyler to take, then I think Julian's going to have to go to plan B. And I don't know what that would be. I don't well, I did he... see an article about eight players who may be bought out. Now the bio window is ending soon. Yeah. I forget what day it is, but it's one day this week. And if you were looking at having to retain salary in a Tyler Johnson trade, and again, I'm not comfortable saying that this is definitely sure. going to happen, and this is definitely the player the Lightning are, are going to be moving. But if if the options are trading Tyler Johnson to another team, eating some of the salary, and maybe having to add a sweetener as well, yeah, or just simply buying out Johnson – and the buyout would require you eating some of the salary, essentially, but you're not giving up anything else. The question is, are you willing to eat the salary for six more years instead of three more years? That's right. the difference. It's a good point. Because a buyout is, is double the term and two-thirds of the salary because you're doubling the term. It's one-third of the salary each year. It's great to know. But um, I don't know. I mean, that yeah. if they're going to do that, that is going to have to happen soon. And if they have potential trade partners, I think it's unlikely that they would go that route. And they may not go that route at all. They may look at, at moving somebody else. Correct. But since you brought it up about the eating of the salary, potentially eating some of the salary, it's an the buyout would be an option where that's all your – that you don't have to worry about making a trade or finding a partner or – you could just say, "All right, we're willing. To, we're willing to absorb some of this money, but we're going to have to absorb it for six more years." And that is a that is a significant amount of time to be paying a player who no longer plays for you. Bob lastly says, "My question that I pose: Will the NHL or other major league sports teams place a cap on salary for a player and a team in the future? The contract values are ridiculous. I have to think outside the box in this because the average fan will not be able to afford it soon. It's time." 
Well, what they've tried to do, Bob, and this was one reason why we had a work stoppage in 2012, which we only missed half a season, thank goodness, not the full season. The contracts were getting out of control in terms of the term. Remember Rick DiPietro got like a 15-year contract. Vinny LeCavalier got a, what, a 10, 11-year contract. And the reason for that was they wanted to pay the players during their prime, but they they back loaded what's the opposite of back load back unloaded the contract right. so much like the, the money dropped precipitously the last couple of years of the contract so that the average money amount was lower and that was your cap hit so you could actually pay a player 10 million dollars for the sake of argument but your cap it might be 7.6 because the end of the contract the dollars dropped off so much so what they did coming out of the lockout was they 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 put a cap on the number of years that you could offer a player a contract. So if it's your own player, you're re-signing, you can offer eight years. If it's a player that is not currently on your on your roster, you don't have the rights to that player, it can only be seven. And the reason I'm saying this is you can only you can only drop the money so much at that point. So basically your cap hit is going to be fairly close to what the actual dollar amount is which I'm not sure if really Bob is, was getting at this, but this was this was a way that the league tried to get some of these contracts under control yeah. because it does force you then to offer players, if not less, more in line with what the actual cap hit is. But the cap hit is tied to league revenue. So, or I should say the cap hit, the cap ceiling is tied to league revenue. And that's a mathematical formula that tells teams, all right, this is how much you can spend. And usually teams are going to spend, if they want to be competitive, they're usually going to be, if not at the cap, close to the cap. And that's just the way it goes. No doubt. Because there's a cap, though, you don't have some teams spending twice that amount and other teams spending that amount or less than that, which creates a... a, a a disparity in terms of payroll, and this is why we we missed a season back in 0405. They wanted cost certainty. It's what L.A. Freeman said. He said it looks like the salary cap is going to be this way for the next three years. You mean you, the number? The number is staying flat. Is that yeah, what you mean? Maybe give or take a million, but yeah. that is why Columbus wanted to be proactive and just rip the bandaid off. That you're right. going to have to make those decisions right now. And it's why we heard from Ron Francis that cap flexibility was so important to Seattle, no which I'm hearing they're going to make a splash in free agency. I'm curious to see they may. how successful they are. They may. Well, partner, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. We made yep. a splash on this show together throughout the year, which was it a has lot been of a blast. fun. I can't believe it's coming to an end right now. And, you know, hopefully we're doing the same thing next year, talking a lot of hockey. And Well, at least we had a short offseason again this year. Yeah. Or I have know. a short offseason. But a lot of hard work put in by everybody involved. Uh, want to thank the Lightning Organization for allowing us to do this for sure. Thanks to Steve Versnick, our producer, for getting us connected and whipping that gerbil who sometimes fell asleep at the wheel. And when we would get disconnected, Steve had to give. We can't do cheese. anything about Barry Trotz, but the gerbil I can. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a new gerbil maybe. Hey, just and, to put uh, a bow on this season. Yes, go ahead. It was a year ago today, 365 days ago that the teams went into the bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto. And mm. since then, the Lightning have won two Stanley Cups. That's incredible. 
That's incredible. It's been a whirlwind, guys. It really yeah. has, but it's been it's been a lot of fun. And, and, and we've probably thankful. done what about three hundred some odd shows. Yeah, we didn't have a we didn't have a long hiatus last off season, did we? No, remember even during the bubble or the, during the break, the pause, we were doing recap shows from previous playoff years. Remember, we were yeah. we were breaking yeah. those all mm -hmm. down, and we were doing interviews. And but that was you. before. That was I know, before the yeah, bubble. before the bubble, yeah, crazy. But we're thankful for that. And uh, Dave, it was a blast doing this with you. Always enjoy the uh, the hockey talk. Um, enjoy the the rest of the summer. And uh, we'll be talking to you sooner rather than later. I'm sure you and I will be talking before then along yep. with Steve as well. Yeah, and we're going to blink and training camp is going to be starting. Actually, the prospect camp is going to happen first. First yes. exhibition game is two months and two days away. Wow. Can't wait. Can't well, wait I know that. from your, uh, your wine read, Greg, the first <laughs> exhibition game is September 28th, correct? Mm, that's Which correct. Is, a special date in lighting history, not because they're going to open the free season against true. Carolina, but because they won the Stanley Cup. I may go have a glass of wine right now, guys. I yes. don't know. I think I need it. It's uh, it's been it's you've been earned a, it. It's been a long time. You've earned it. Years. You guys are both taking a much deserved and well earned vacation. So I although wish I don't know how much of, of you, I appreciate that, but I don't know how much vacation I'm going to have taking a, a two year old on a plane. That's going to cause a lot of anxiety and um. I'm not a big drinker, but I may have to have a um, an alcoholic beverage while I'm on the plane. Who knows? Hurricane Ilaria will be on an airplane near you, <laughs> yes. and that'll be a lot of fun. All right, boys. Great job, as always. Thank you for all your hard work. Likewise. All right. That's Dave Mishkin along with Steve Verstick. I am Greg Lennon. I hope you enjoyed Power Lunch each and every day, noon to one. We always appreciated you participating, and we'll be around Twitter, of course. And who knows? If there is breaking news Maybe we'll hop on and do a, a special show for you as well. I am Greg Linelli. This has been Lightning Power Play.